Strike a Chord, Music Chit Chat with your host, Valentino Kikowski. Welcome to Strike a Chord podcast. We have the awesome drummer, Simon Hanna. Simon, welcome. Thank you very much, Valentino. It's awesome to be here. And uh, thank you very much for this opportunity. I'm privileged to have you here, mate. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, drums, where did it all start for Simon? Wow. Um, I think it really kind of started for me back when I was about uh, 13 or 14. So as far back as like high school, yep. uh, ever since I was about 13 or 14. And really what kind of inspired me during that was, uh, very funnily enough, was actually from a couple of things. It was actually from uh, Animal from the Muppet Show. Just oh, okay. the <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. N- numerous uh, videos I've watched of Animal the from craziness. the Muppet Show. craziness. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but also specifically from the drummer from The Living End, that ah, was uh, okay. a, w- seeing him on Sunrise, but also seeing through the various live performances from The Living End as well. And they were kind of like the first real rock band that I got into okay. back when I was a kid. And ever since then, I started getting into drums throughout high school, just taking lessons um, all the way up from high school right down to where I am now, of course. Awesome. And even going as far as to doing music uh, throughout high school, right up to when, when I studied at uni at Melbourne Polytechnic. I oh, did polytechnic technic, yeah. Yes. Ah, okay. Cool. That's right. You'll probably you'll probably remember this, but uh, obviously there was a couple of people that were up on here that I remember directly from Melbourne Polytechnic yeah. who studied at the same time I was there. Oscar ah. Poncel. Oh, Oscar, yeah. 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 And also, um, and my memory's starting to go blank on me because it's been a really long time since I've thought about it. Um, the trumpet. Oh, the Stefan. Stefan, yes, yes. 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 They were both at Melbourne Polytechnic at the same time I was there. They were. So. And also, we've got uh, another podcast where we're going to have Jack Pantazas on. Yes, ja- so, Jack Pantazas. Yes. He was one of the lecturers. A very uh, good friend of mine. Yeah, <laughs> such an awesome guitar player, oh, such great. an awesome dude awesome, as well. Awesome. And so you're from that. You're you're from that uh, garden, I should say, <laughs> right? Yeah, very <laughs> musical mu- garden. Very much so. Very much so. Which was. About 10 years ago, when I did my Bachelor of Music at Melbourne Polytechnic, when it used to be called NMIT, before they I did, did the it, name change. I did it at NMIT too. Oh, wow. Uh, this was going back maybe before that, maybe about 15 years ago. Oh, wow. I was I did it at Greensboro. Oh, fantastic, mate. I did mine at Fairfield. Oh, Fairfield. That was the original one. Oh, that wow. Was where, that, that's where it all started, I think. <laughs> so, um, it's going well, back up. A fair bit now. It is. It certainly has. And just thinking about that now, especially like, um, obviously having gone through what we all went through for the last two years, thanks to COVID, Mm. and now realizing we're in 2022, I immediately started thinking to myself, wow, it's actually been 10 years since Melbourne Polytechnic, which is is crazy. Yeah, it is. And I I still keep in touch with like a lot of the Melbourne Polytechnic people over the years. That's very good. Because the Melbourne music scene is such a really um, small... Is so, I mean, it's a big community, of course. It's huge. But it's small at the same time. It is small at the same <laughs> time. It's like you know almost everybody and everything. So you're bound to run in to people that you've known Correct. from that circle oh, or yeah. from people from as far back as that. Oh, yeah. Look, I think... And that's the that's the goodness of it. Like, the Melbourne music scene and the Melbourne musicians really... Um, they really connect... You know, it doesn't matter what genre they're from or, you know, if you're a music, you're a music oh, yeah, yeah, you're one of us, you know. And, and, and that's the Melbourne thing. That's that's what Melbourne does. And especially coming from 
uh, an institution or, you know, whether it's Polytechnic, whether it's Melbourne Uni, whether it's VCA, you know, there's all that, that common thing and which is music, right? Um, and, and that is what, what brings us together, you know? Absolutely. I, I definitely agree on that 100%. When I actually first got into Melbourne Polytechnic, that was actually not going to be my first choice. Oh, really? It was originally going to be at Melbourne University at the Victorian okay. College of the Arts. Yeah. That was when I decided when I was in VC at the time. As mm. I said... I got into music, not just in drum lessons during high school throughout that time where I had private drum lessons around then, but I was stu- but I was doing music classes at the same time okay. as that, even to VCE level as well. Yep. And my music teacher at the time, James Rust, shout out to you, Rusty, you're amazing by the way, <laughs> still are. Um, he actually was the one who turned me off from Victorian College of the Arts because of okay. how focused it was on the classical jazz side of things. Mm. And at that time, I didn't really know. I mean, I was a little bit familiar with some of the jazz stuff, but not nearly on the level like it got to when it got to Melbourne Polytechnic at that time. Yeah. So I was very fortunate to go to Melbourne Polytechnic, which was much more well-rounded mm. as a course, where it opened you up to a whole bunch, a range of styles of music that I never would have experienced or even had known about beforehand. Yeah, and I think the the good thing about Polytechnic as well is. Well, when I was when I was there, and and I I have conversation about this with Jack as well. It's about <laughs> they actually um, they train you for the real world. I don't know how it is now, but back then it was yeah they train you for the real world. You know, it's not you're not gonna you're not always gonna be a rock star, and not everyone's gonna be a rock star. So you gotta you know you you you, you gotta make sure that you're professional about it. You got to be committed. You got to you, you got to go to you know rehearsals. You you, you got to be committed to to the to the gigs. Mm. You got to get there on time. You got to have equipment. You know, it's all about that. That's that that was a training then. Not not only playing as well as playing, and, and there was a lot of playing, but also how how you approach it Absolutely. outside of school. You know. So. I, absolutely. I mean, obviously it depends very much on the course that you were part of at that time because obviously they had different kind of courses they did, yeah. up and around that time, like the advanced diploma, yeah. the certificates, the Bachelor of Music. That's right. And I don't know if they've upgraded to Masters at that time, but um, I obviously went through the Bachelor of Music at that time and that was... Obviously, I don't know the state of it now versus as it was back then. Mm. But at the, around that time, like, it had so many subjects around that time. Even subjects at that time, which you never would have thought of going, like, going straight into that. You'd be thinking one thing, but then going yeah. straight into the actual subject itself. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's that, that's a good thing because it's... um. It was quite diverse in its, you know, in its approach. Yeah. Um, whereas I think Melbourne Uni, you know, the VCA was very uh, about serious music and you know, classical or jazz, and it was, you know, you had to abide by that syllabus, you know. Yeah. But with Melbourne Polytechnic, you would have seen a lot, they used to get a lot of people to come in. Um, a lot yeah. of a lot of international people used to come in. People like you know, I, I, I read that you know you, used, you had you know, a bit of inspiration from Dave Beckel and stuff like that, and and people that were big names and they used to come in, and you used to think, oh, I've I've seen this guy only on television, you know, or I've seen this guy only in big bands in big <laughs> concerts, and now he's right in front of me, which is that that opportunity you don't come across all the time, and and they used to provide that, you know. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right about that. How we used to get a lot of guests coming down from mm. coming, not to, not specifically down to Melbourne Polytechnic, but through walks of life, yeah. through 
even just masterclasses that your teachers would recommend to you over the years, but it's also through the mentors that you have over your life that will give you that real life experience. Yeah, of course. In the way that like university courses would not necessarily give to you mm. in that sense, mm. which is, and I've been very fortunate to have that through the people and mentors that I've had over the years from people like, you know, from Jonathan Diamond to uh, Ronnie Farella, who was my first drum teacher back okay. in university for my first couple of years. But specifically, and one teacher and one drummer that I actually look to and I really look up to, not just as a drummer, but also as a person, and I really saw myself as the drummer being one day, was Tony Floyd, who okay. is the drummer for Things of Stone and Wood. Mm -hmm. And it was my final drum teacher in my final year of uni. He really gave to me that experience and I still kept in contact with him to this day forward for advice and as a mentor as well. Yeah, and a lifetime a mentor. A lifetime mentor in that <laughs> yeah. sense. And, and look, that's, that's a good thing because we all get into a bit of a lull every now and then and it's good to revert back to to your your mentors that providing they're still alive <laughs> my my mentors are not alive anymore <laughs> so which is unfortunate but you get to you get to meet other people who who uh your your colleagues but also mentors you know mm. um and there's a there's there's a whole array of different musicians here and really diverse and it's it's easy to 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 find that person, you know, where you're going to connect, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that he's your teacher or she's your teacher, but someone that you connect with and you just have a bit of a chat. You Very know. much so. And, and, and this is why I'm doing the podcast, right? That's it, man. <laughs> you know, That's so, it. <laughs> and, and, and you want to connect with these people and you want to, you want to, you know, have a, have a, have a good, good relationship with them, you know? Um, and, the, and the more we can spread the word about the musicians and the more we can support each other the better the better it's going to be and the, the happier we're going to be you know music is happiness absolutely you know? i i agree on that 100 percent. you know i mean i've been as i've mentioned before i've been really fortunate to have that through the people that i've had over the years but also kind of the real learning experience has come through mm. after like university that's when the real learning i think started to kick in because it's like all right i've got all the stuff i've got from uni and through the advice i've had through my mentors to the best of their ability now it's about putting it into context. Mm, that's right. And that's when the real learning kicks in. And that's when the, that's when that will either push you forward or it's really gonna kick you in the butt. Yeah. And when the, you least expect it. Correct. Really. And and you find and you find the challenges sometimes are greater than you expected, but that's a good thing. You know, because if you do overcome that challenge and you and you hit that next step, well that's that's a that's an achievement in itself, you know. Absolutely, yeah. you know, absolutely. Yeah. So drumming, freelancing. Yes. And also Finnick. Yes. Um, actually going deeper, uh, actually going a little bit into uh, all of that, um, like obviously post-university and all that kind of stuff, I was actually a bit of a late bloomer when it came to the Melbourne music scene at the time because I've heard about all these gigs happening around Melbourne at the time and through these venues and all that. But at the time, I didn't really know too much about them because obviously during uni, they never, they hardly ever mention these kind of stuff to you. Mm. But you do see them on flyers and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And I didn't really start getting into gigging until about, when I was about, until I was around my second year of university okay. around that time, um, playing with uh, this Melbourne band called Salt Lake City in two really well-known venues across Melbourne, Open Studio yep. and uh, the Wesley Ann, which are both venues across Northgate, which yep. are beautiful venues. Yeah, fantastic venues. Absolutely fantastic venues up there. And then, obviously, when that started to happen, obviously post-university and all that, I was going to gigs at like venues that I've heard about so much from like mm. the Northgate Social Club yeah. right down to the Workers Club in Fitzroy yeah. even the Nightcat in Fitzroy which yeah. is Nightcat is, uh, is iconic <laughs> it really is it yeah. really really is and 
when I started getting into the whole drumming side of things, I I definitely wanted to head down the freelance route as far back as like university. But at the time, I didn't really know how to approach it that much mm. because obviously like it's again from getting the experience, it's from knowing people, it's yep. from knowing the right connections. And of course, I think to quote um, a well-known drummer named Todd Suckerman from his DVD Me- Methods and Mechanics, which is amazing. The quote I still hold on to to this day forward, and I watched this from a couple of years ago, was it's a people business and yeah. people want to work with their friends. You have to get out there and make friends. Yeah, that's definitely true. And it also doesn't help if you're, you're an introvert, which I was. Yeah. I was very much so. And I was scared to approach people and I was... And I came from a musical family, don't forget. So I, my dad played, my grandfather was into music and everything like that. But going out there and doing it for yourself, and he, you know, growing up I was very introverted and I was really scared, really, you know, shy. I was really, you know, oh, what do they want me for? I'm not that yeah. good, you know. But it's the, it's probably, it, probably whether it's a right or wrong thing, to do and not approach you don't know because you don't know the person but if you don't go out there and you don't try it you probably get rejected once twice yeah. two times out of ten times you might one one time you might get someone who's gonna say all right i'll give you give you a shot you know um and that that's a courage thing definitely you know and it's not even a music thing it's it's just a yeah. personality thing and you know it it definitely i i definitely agree on that 100 percent. i mean i still consider myself a little bit of an introvert here and there the, he says while he happens to be chatting so much during all of this. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I definitely agree on that 100%. And I felt that way when I first got out of university, right mm. into the wide world of the Melbourne of the music scene at that time. Yeah, you get thrown into the ocean. It, it's that, exactly. It's like I was a little fish right in this very big ocean. And it's just knowing where to start in all of this. Yeah. But also because it's also having confidence in your own abilities as well. Because Correct. especially during, uni, my, especially as I remember during my uni levels, I got my butt kicked god knows how many times during oh, that we all got our butt kicked and that's a good thing though yeah definitely you learn I mean, a lot of things absolutely i mean it can be a really good thing as well and at the same time it's like you're getting thrown into all these areas that you're mm. not necessarily a huge fan of or you're like okay all right uh, this isn't exactly what i signed up for in this case yeah but or, then you find the one thing that that one little thing that'll help you that's what i found yeah you get thrown into these things. Oh, I don't want to do pop. I don't want to do jazz. I don't want to do that. But especially with thing, you get thrown into these things and into these, you know, ensembles and and you learn this one thing from here, one thing from there, one thing from there, and you think, you know what, I could I could use this. Absolutely. And if that's the case, well then job's done. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree on that hundred percent. And when it came to like the whole um getting into the freelance thing down the track i was playing like a whole bunch of groups uh before that time before fennec obviously came along Mm. and and actually in a lot of groups where i was the main drummer for a lot of that stuff where they've been really successful and everything and i've had had such a great time playing with those with those bands some of them have have been less than successful others have moved on to pretty good things and then they've just hit that course where it's like nah i feel like I feel like that's that's had it, or like the yeah. band has just kind of ended at that point. Yeah, there are expiry dates for some bands. There, it, I've for some bands at all. <laughs> I've certainly have felt uh, like a fair few of those, but 
really what, but actually the moment for me that sort of clarified to me when I officially went down the freelance route mm. was a few years ago, back in 2019. I still remember this. I was in two groups at the same time before Fennec uh, ended up coming along. I've known Fennec for years. Um, it was with uh, a jazz fusion instrumental group that I formed with a few mates of mine uh, called Secondhand Smoke. Mm -hmm. And we ended up recording uh, one of our songs. We played a whole bunch of gigs, doing, uh, doing my first festival gig with them, doing my first residency with them. And at the same time, on the other end of that equation, I was playing in an indie pop rock group oh, cool. called Silt. Shout out to them, by the way, because <laughs> I know they're amazing, amazing musers, amazing guys. And I was playing with those two bands at exactly the same time. Again, with Sealed, I was playing in like places that I didn't think possible mm. from like playing at like uh, the Fireflyn St. Kilda. I think when they used to have gigs up there or yep. who knows what's happened with that, yeah. that place. And uh, also recording with them just a little bit at that same token, like hitting all these really great gigs and everything. Yep. But at the same token, I was kind of going to myself, wow, is this really, or it just felt like I was hitting a brick wall at that time. Yeah. And it's like, all right, how am I going to get past this brick wall that I've put up myself against? And I realized, what was I getting the most out of as a musician? Was it getting it out of being a permanent band member in a lot of these groups? Or was it getting it out of the freelance stuff? Okay. And the moment to me that sort of redefined, that sort of answered that question for me was when I was like, I ended up getting this album that I did drums for, for this really good friend of mine named Oscar James. He's a great singer-songwriter. He's a really good guy and everything that had my name listed down on the credits as drums and a physical copy that he officially gave to me when the album was finished. And I was going to myself, this is, this is me, me being the freelancer. Yeah. And after those two groups had ended at that time with, um, Nothing terrible or anything like that, but obviously Silt wanted to take the music in a different direction, but because of my commitment to Secondhand Smoke, I knew I was going to have to pick between one of those two groups. Yeah. So I figured that was going to happen eventually. Yeah. It's and a gut thing. It's a gut thing, really. Yeah. And Secondhand Smoke, ironically, would split up the month after that. Oh, okay. But, so, <laughs> but I actually was not upset about it. Yeah. I was actually a little... I was actually like, you know what? I'm actually not upset about this. All right. I've done all this great stuff. Let's get let's get to business. Yeah. Let's get into the freelance so, side of things. Freelancing's got its challenges. Yeah, it's got its beauty because you get to meet a lot of people and you get to play a lot of different styles if that's what you're into. You know, the challenges are whether you're going to first gel with these people. You know, at a gig. Yeah. <laughs> The second thing is what sort of a gig it is. You know, sometimes you don't know what sort of a gig until you until you start playing. Sometimes, and the other thing is, am I? You know, the routine thing. You know, it's, it's never the same routine. It's never the same repertoire. It's never the same. You know, and some people get fed up of that. You know, and they think, oh, you know what? I know. I've, I know some people. They they've got their group. It's the regular thing. They get the gigs, and that's all they're happy with. You know. But I know some other people, they, they freelance and they love it. And I think, you know what? I like the challenge. It keeps, keeps them on their toes. You know? I, I actually do agree on that last point there where it like it really does challenge you. It really pushes you outside of your comfort zone mm. as, a, as a drummer and as a musician, of course. On the same token, it's like most of the freelance stuff I get asked to 
to play for on a regular basis is within the pop rock side of things and yeah. usually not on the extreme side of yeah. things like jazz or like doing Afro-Cuban or Brazilian yep. or anything like extreme in that sense. Brazilian, now audio guy is Brazilian. He knows about it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, so I, I hardly been asked to do like stuff in that sort of repertoire, mm. but I'm not, I, I was never complaining about it. I was yeah. like, you know, as long as I'm up there playing my drums, mm. I really don't care what I have to do in that sense. I know on your website, you have a little thing at the end of your bio. You anyone can play, you just need passion. And was it? It's all about attitude. It's and all about attitude and passion. Yeah. That's so true. I agree on you that. I mean, I mean, that's kind of the thing that I still stand by in this case, in that I have to love what I'm doing in that sense. If I'm not loving it, if I'm not doing it, then what's the point in basically doing like That's whatever so job true. I get asked to do. I mean, especially since I've learned, I mean, obviously I've got Fennec happening, which is my main group and uh, and also me being the drummer of that group. And I absolutely love it. It's such a lot of fun. I love the musicians I play with. They're amazing musos, they're amazing guys. Mm. And I love the freelance stuff that I do, but I had to learn to, it's okay to say no mm. as a freelancer, <laughs> to say no yeah. to opportunities that you know are not gonna work or that you feel like, you know what? I'm not so sure about this. Yeah, or it's like not my no, cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea, exactly, yeah. yeah. And they probably wouldn't be happy with what I'm gonna do for them anyway. And you also have to think of that, you know, if you're gonna be saying no, you have to think, why, why am I saying no? At least two or three reasons you have to have. It's something that timing wise, probably not, I'm probably busy. Yeah. Um, not, I'm not overly confident with the repertoire or I'm not their cup of tea. I might not suit what they're doing, you know? And they they would think, oh no, no, you'll be all right. Because I've been, I've been in that situation where Oh no! Come and do a bit of flamenco work, you know. And then, and I've said to them, "Look, it's not going to fit, you know. It's knowledge thing and stuff like that. it's not going to fit. No, no, no. It will, it will. And then you go there, and then it's not, you know. And they go, "Yeah, you were right. You're just a steel string guy or electric, and you know, and and everyone's happy about it, you know. But yeah, people don't know until until they speak with with the with the person because you know what your ability is, you know what you play, you know what you what you can do." And you know what you can and, and can't do. That's true. And knowing what you can't do, I think, is more important because that way you, you set the expectation. You know, you're not going to go in there and, you know, I'll say, oh, I know this, I know that. And then you go in there, you, you don't quite know it because then, you know, then it's a it's an awkward position and it's, it's not a good position to be in from both sides, you know. I absolutely agree on that 100%. Mm. I mean... I kind of set myself up knowing that, knowing the drummer that I am personally, like with the influences that I've grown up with, which obviously my drumming influences I had started to figure out, like through uni and especially post uni and all that, was mostly from a lot of groove based drummers, from people like, you know, Steve Gadd mm -hmm. to Keith Carlock to yep. Dave Weckl, obviously okay. being another one of my influences. Um, Steve Jordan, who plays regularly with John Mayer, as well as with a whole bunch of other artists. Lisa Donati? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Antonio Santos. Sanchez from the jazz world with Pat Metheny. Yes. Also in the fact of like uh, where Antonio Sanchez came from, and I actually applied this to like with Fennec for instance, because we're in that very folk country sort of atmosphere okay. yep. where it's a mixture of like drums and percussion mm. in that sense. So, and in the way that Antonio Sanchez uses drums with percussion yep. in his style of, in the playing that he does, yep. not just with Pat Metheny, but with a whole range of artists oh, that he plays everyone. with. Also another one is Horatio Hernandez. Yeah. He is the Latin drummer you know he's the one that i think 
as put it on, on, on the world map. But you're right, those sort of people, and if you can get a bit of this, bit of that, bit of, you know, you can have quite a successful freelancing career because you get versatile. You can play yeah. a bit of this, you can play a bit of that, you can jump into that, you can jump into that. You know, sometimes you jump in as an emergency, you know, someone can't make it, got a gig tonight, yeah. bang. You know, and and that's that's a very very important thing as well to to mention because the versatility is is what is going to get you work as well. Absolutely. Because if if you've got if there's a band and they, oh you, you can see posts all the time on Facebook right oh um, you know this sort of person we need that sort of person you know they come in filling the gig for you know for for a couple of weeks or whatever they're really good opportunities for a musician whether you're a drummer guitarist keys it's a very good opportunity because you get to expand your network first yeah absolutely and then you get to play different sorts of music absolutely you know, you know. and also going to other drummers as well like you know for example like another two drummers that i've also considered my musical influences is john bonham from led zeppelin oh, for his really big drum sound <laughs> yeah but also because he came from that sort of jazz uh, that sort of era from that jazz yeah. rock era and also yeah. mitch mitchell from Jimi hendrix yeah. as well <laughs> again for that mixture of like jazz drumming within a rock context yeah like those ones I've considered being my biggest influences. And for that, for I think there are a lot of other people's influence, not only drummers. Yeah. You know, those people influence other musicians as well, not only drummers, because they they were at the peak of their career, you know, and when they were at their peak, the sounds that they, they produced, I don't think anyone's produced that sound yet, you know? So That's true. it's emulated. Yeah. They emu people emulate that sound and they're very good at it. Like John Bonham's, Son, yeah, does a great job of it, you know. But being that pioneer, that first person to do it, and you know, you look up to that person, you think, you know. But I think you get that, and 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 you put it into context of whatever whatever your music you're playing. You you know, everyone's got a couple of idols or people they look up to, you know, and and they you're gonna hear that style in their playing. But it's very important to put your own Absolutely. trademark on it, your own flavor, you know. Mm. Absolutely. And I think that's something that I think a lot of people like really need to sort of figure themselves out. Mm. It's like, okay, I've got all these influences and all that kind of stuff. Now it's a matter of just going on this journey to figure out my musical Correct. identity. And that's so something true. that I that's something that I had to do like post uni at that time. It's like, okay, I've been through the hard studying and everything. Now I need to sort of figure out or mold my musical identity in this in this sense. Like who am I as a musician in this big wide scene that I'm that I'm part of? And this this is something that I had kind of had to question a lot, mm. especially post university. And I figured that, and I, I feel like I figured that out, like through, through all the years of experiences, through all the hardships that I've been through mm. over the years to where I am now, of course. But also on the same token, and this actually goes to um, a quote that I heard from uh, from Todd Suckman, who was talking about Stuart Copeland from The Police, mm. who's another one of my drumming influences, <laughs> such an awesome drummer where he got asked about like how he's become the drummer that he is today. And his quote was, it's not what I listen to that makes me an interesting musician, but it's me becoming more of an interesting person that makes me an interesting musician. Okay. Gee, that's, that's, that's big. That, that's a really big quote to have. <laughs> so big. it's really about not just through the music that you listen to, but it's also through becoming more as a person yeah. as and well over the years. Exactly. Well. And that becoming of a person also there's a bit of everything it's from your upbringing from the people that you meet from the people that you look up to from you know from from your own personal experiences that all gets put into a, 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 a pot basically yeah and the older you get 
the more that boils and the, the, the bigger that gets, right? So, and that as a musician, I think we need to respect that. We need to respect ourselves as that because we're, we're putting something out there. Sometimes we forget about it. We go out there, we just do a gig, we do, we, we play and stuff, but we forget about well, what where, where we're deriving from, where we're coming from, and where we where we're heading to. Because sometimes, well, probably not now, but early, earlier on, probably pre-COVID, when people when musicians were really busy, when we were just playing, 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 and you do all these gigs, and sometimes you lose focus. Absolutely, you know, and that's something, especially when you were just talking about, of course, like we were, what we all went through during the lockdown and the mm. virus and everything. Like that was something that I started to focus on during that first year lockdown, which was actually the time that I officially joined up with Fennec at the end of that first year lockdown, yep. where I started to focus more on myself as a person through my interests, through my hobbies, because mm. music was really kind of the last thing on my brain during that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was I was still practicing. I was doing a lot of online session drumming, yep. which was another path that I wanted to go down yep. even before COVID had happened. But mm. it was now just that opportunity to finally use that to my advantage and finally start going towards that. And yeah. I still do to this day forward, even after the lockdowns and COVID had, we're finally, who knows if it ended or not, but we're finally uh, we past that, but finally past that point yeah. anyway. But I think the, on, on the plus side, it did bring technology up to a point where it, it, it fast tracked the quality of technology. Mm. I think where now you can, it's, it's normal for you to have a listen with, a big name, uh, when I say big name, in 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 the education sort of sector, mm. right? Overseas, someone from Berkeley or someone from, you know, from from Europe, you know, that you've always liked, or from the states that you like, and and actually giving lessons online. Absolutely, I I think it's definitely opened up as far as the learning side of things, and the yeah. education side of things, because you get to see them on on the on the screen you think yeah. oh geez you know I mean absolutely I mean it's great in everything like uh, for example when they have like master classes or drum clinics yeah. or like workshops yep. they can organise here in Australia and we're very fortunate to have that oh, here yeah, of course. through places like you know Drum Tech, drum tech through yep. all the music stores around Melbourne yep. even around like a lot of these conventions that occur around Melbourne mm. or Australia yep. which we're very fortunate to have and it can be just as easy to do that through your laptop, laptop screen yeah it's it's so fortunate, yeah, and I think it's definitely very. gotten people. Thanks to COVID, obviously, as you said, <laughs> it's definitely gotten the technology side of things up to a pretty a high step, level, yeah, up to a certain level in that yeah. sense. Yeah, and look, we still got a way to go in that sense, but I think um, we're we're closer to to the people that we respect a bit more. You know, like our you know once upon a time we used to think you know some 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 musician oh the gods I'll never get to you know chat to them. All of a sudden, technology is there, and you actually get to actually have a chat to them. Social media, this, that. It's like when I was growing up, there was no way I would, I would ha have ever, you know, thought of oh, I can actually message, you know, these great musicians, and 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 for them to give me a message back. You know, it's like you couldn't fathom the thought. Like we would wait when I was growing up, we would wait for for a record to come from the states or come from Europe, you know, like a couple of months. And by the time they've come, you need to come out, it's an old record, <laughs> you know. So that's back in my day. But now everything, you know, as, as, far as, as, as far as technology goes, people think it's bad and think people think it's good. I think there's, there's, a, there's a, if you put yourself in a happy medium there, you use the good in every, yeah, in every aspect. Yeah, you kind of have that balance. It's yeah. kind of a balancing act in that sense. Or it's having that balance 
in there to sort of help out through that sense. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And actually going on to talking about Fennec, of course, like how that sort of mm. came about. Um, I've actually known the guys from Fennec for a long time, even before COVID had happened. They'd asked me to record some drums for several of their tracks okay. uh, around that time. And a bit of a funny story on how that kind of happened was, and this is actually something that I started that kind of got me into doing this as a drummer going forward in packing all my drums into my car, especially especially if you're in situations where they say to you, uh, can you, you can just bring your snare and cymbals for this case. I will literally pack up everything, everything. including <laughs> the kitchen sink if I have to, just to get ready for that. Yeah. This this was one of those situations where I show up to uh, I showed up to the studio and I know I know the musicians in my group in Fennec are probably going to kick my butt for just talking about this or they'll probably have pitchforks ready for this. But no, nah, I love you guys. Anyway, um, basically, like, I show up to the event. They say, oh, just bring your snare and cymbals. And I go up and I go in and go, like, where's the rest of the drum set? Luckily, they had this baby, the con, yeah. and a couple of egg shakers, which was kind of the sound that they wanted to go after in the yeah. first place. But it was from that point onward, and it... Uh, it was yeah. It was that. It was from that point onward. I started packing my whole drum set into that moment. But how I got into being the full-on drummer for Fennec at that time was literally the year the COVID struck. Um, my the lead singer in my group, Josh Beadle, who's an awesome singer-songwriter. He's an awesome dude. I love you, mate. Um, bass had messaged out to me once beforehand asking me if I was interested in playing with them or joining up with them as a group, I was committed to another group at that time and I was focusing a lot on the freelancing side so I couldn't really say yes to it. Hmm. But then once the that year, that whole lockdown had ended in 20, near the end of 2020, he messaged out to me again saying, hey, we've got this gig coming up at the, the SAE Institute. Are you interested okay. in doing a gig up there? I said, yeah, absolutely. I show up, and this is actually the first time that all three of us had ever played together. Back okay. then, it was actually like, because it because Fennec originally started as a duo with both um, Josh Beadle, the lead singer, and James McGrath, the guitar player, who's one of the best guitar players I've ever played with. He's an awesome musician. He's an awesome dude. It started out with those two, and then I joined up in the group after the fact. And that was the first time that all three of us had ever played together on stage. And I literally said after we started playing, I was like, is the office still available to join your group? And that the rest was basically history. And I've been playing with them ever since. It's it's funny out of something out of something really bad, something really good happens. Basically, yeah. You know? So all of that all that stuff with COVID and everything, but something good happened from it, you know? Absolutely, you know. And yeah. We have to we have to learn to um be aware of those things and, and respect it because you probably wouldn't have been with Fennec, you know? If that didn't happen, you probably thought, "No, nah, I'm going to freelance a little bit more." You know, you can't commit. You don't want to commit, but that happens, and you know, you get to meet some really cool people as well. You know, um, do some really cool stuff. You know, record some stuff. You know, I, I know when 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 things happen, sometimes the timing is of essence. You know, sometimes yeah. you know you want to play with this person, you want to and the, you want to play with that person, that play, person wants to play with you but the timing's not right. All of a sudden, one day comes and it happens. Absolutely. I think that, that happened to you. Absolutely, you know. I mean, I've kind of got to that fact, especially with where I am as a musician right now, where I'm like, I'm totally not fast about like not having to play with a specific person or playing mm. in this thing as a freelancer and all that kind of stuff. I've just learned that, you know, the doors will open up. There'll be plenty mm. of doors opening up for me down the track. 
it's just a matter of walking through that door when the time is right, you know? Yeah. And I've learned to kind of have that. And I especially learned with myself as a person and where I am in my life that I'm really just after living the simpler life in this mm. case. Like, especially with where I am as a musician, like fame and fortune and all that kind of stuff. That, I mean, we all had those growing up, but now I'm just like, as long as I'm up there playing my drums, I really don't care the gig that I have to do. And that's hard sometimes. It is. Even, even that's hard sometimes. I just want to play music, you know? It's hard. It's not as easy as, as you think. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like I just want to go, I just want to play my drums. Enough. But sometimes you got to play somewhere and you got to play for someone. Because, you know, sometimes uh, you get into a bit of a lull and you think, I, I'm itching to get up on stage, right? And then nothing's happening. Nothing, and then all of a sudden, it spikes. And you have to be ready for that moment. Yeah. So therefore, your rehearsal's at home. Everything that you need to do, you do... As you do, you know, you because you never know that one day you'll, you'll get a call and say, all right, you know, we, we need you tonight, packing my drums, putting them in the car, off I go, I'm ready. Whereas sometimes, you you know, if you haven't been rehearsing at home and you're not, you know, you've got that line, you think someone calls you, oh, what am I going to do? You know, I'm not ready, you know. And then, you know, you start stressing and stuff. You say yes to the gig and you get there and you think, oh, shit. You know? I've been I've been a little bit in those kind of situations myself, and I'm I mean I've been very fortunate enough when it came to COVID and all that kind of stuff that I spend quite a fair bit getting some stuff ready that will uh, obviously adding to my repertoire and all yep. that kind of stuff. Like convert like my very first drum set that my dad got for me when I was back in high school, I had converted it into a smaller drum set, okay. and I, and obviously you probably would have seen pictures and all that kind of stuff yep. and videos on YouTube and all that. Um, I converted it into a smaller drum set to get ready for gigs where I would get asked to play in those kind of situations, even stuff that I would do with Fennec, and that's kind of been my main drum set yep. for most of, for the last couple of years. And I still have my bigger drum set, which is my main kit, which is a PDP main stage kit okay. since 2015 when I first finished uni. And I still have that drum set because it's a beautiful sounding drum set. It's, my, it's, my, it's one of my babies after all. Yep. I'm never going to get rid of it. And, but I hardly have to bring that out on a regular basis though. Mm. But I'm not totally fussed about that. Yep. I'm totally satisfied with like using the smaller drum set because it's there, you know, yep. and it gets the job done. And then you've gone even smaller to that. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that is a great instrument. It's yeah. so versatile. I use it in flamenco a lot, and and it's it's um, yeah, it's it's put it in the back seat, take it out, a few shakers here and there, and that's it. That's that's kind of what I've got in the sense. But I've also started getting into like uh, obviously, and this is something that I started getting into with Fennec just for this year, and especially thinking about it in the greatest sense because. Mm. Um, obviously, we've been mostly playing as a trio for the most part since uh, since I first joined up with them up until around this year when we started adding a bassist to our group, okay. Luke Shembury, who's a fantastic bass player, not just in electric bass, but also in double bass as well. He's such a monster of a bassist and he's an awesome guy as well who really brought the sound to new levels in that okay. in that sense. Yeah, it makes a difference with bass. It really does, actually. <laughs> I mean, not that we didn't have a problem beforehand, but it really just kind it's of brought different. it... It's different. It's, it's different, different, exactly. Yeah. But really kind of what I started to get into do, especially with the con, is that 
luckily with Fennec, because most of our sound comes from that very, it's very much indie folk country yep. type of music. Think like Angus and Julia Stone meets yep. Boy and Bear in that very folk rock kind of atmosphere. That fits and it fits into <laughs> this kind of atmosphere for that because we can swap back and forth between doing very acoustic kind of things where I yep. can just do this or going like full band escape where I can literally just use like a full drum set. Versatility. Versatility. But what's really funny about that is that up until about a few gigs ago or something, 90% of the time I get asked to play, br I get to use brushes with Fennec because again, it comes from that very folk country kind yeah. of atmosphere. And 10% of that is in percussion. So I'd be yeah. using like something like this or I'd be using like a tambourines or any percussive instruments or egg yeah. shakers. Hardly any sticks thrown in there because it just wouldn't, it just really wouldn't work in that yeah. scene. All the songs, or it's just finding the right song where sticks would be necessary in this case. Yeah, it's... um. It's a bit of a balancing. It's a act. bit of a balancing. It's you, you, you can, and, and I've I've seen where they they've got some hybrid kits. Where yeah. They use like a horn, a snare, and you still use your sticks and your brushes on the snare hi hat as well, and it's it's great for some things. It's great, you know. Yeah. So, you know, they use the cajon as a sort of as a as a kick with one hand, and then they'll use the sticks or the, the brushes on on the snare. Yeah. You got your hi hat. It's a great sounding little thing, you know. It but is. again, if you want to go bigger, then you. That's it. <laughs> you know? That's it. You know, so, and and it all depends on 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 the sound that you want to absolutely you, you, know, you want to produce. That that's it, you know. And this is something that I started getting into doing with Fennec down the track. Once we started, like, once I started figuring out, like, the drums within the greatest sense of the songs and everything, like. What, what I actually started to get to do, and this is something I started to do in like gigs with re very, very recently with Fennec, even during rehearsals and all that, is I will literally use my cajon as my drum stool while I'm oh, up yeah. on the main drum set. So I'll swap back and forth between using the cajon and using the drum set for songs where I feel like cajon is just needed in this mm, case. Yep. Or like, nah, drum set will work a lot better in this case, but I'll use brushes. Or maybe I'll use sticks yep. in one one or two particular songs. Where you can use mallets as well and all of that, you know? Yeah. So, look, there's there's a whole wide range of, of doing things. And I think, it, and, and you seems that you're very aware of, of what the surroundings are. Yeah, you know, and I think I think that's very important. The way of the surroundings, not only the musical surroundings, but where you're playing, and to who you're playing. That's it, you know, absolutely. And I think also in the fact as well is like, and obviously coming from experience when it comes to like doing gigs, not just with Fennec, but within the previous acts that I played beforehand, is that. Obviously, when it comes to doing support, getting support acts or acts for your gigs ready, whether you're playing as like a main, as like a main group or as a support act mm. for those particular bands, eventually at some point you're going to have to play with bands that are going to be on the opposite end of the equation yeah, to what your course. sound is. Of course, that's just inevitable, really. Yeah, and you got to be prepared for that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean. I mean, it's great in everything if you get acts that are very similar to yours, but you're going to have to variety it up a little bit because oh, yeah. it's going to, it, it's going to bring, it's going to bring suspense to the audience. It's going to bring, it's going to make the gigs a lot more interesting, not just as a, as a musician, but also as a listener as well. Oh, of course, of course. That's of course. kind of what I found myself, well, like not just with Fennec, but in the other groups that I played with in the past, you know. And again, going back to that experience of just like that musical journey we're constantly going on, where it's those learning experiences, where it's like, all right. Those experiences have helped shape me into the musician that I am now. And like, all right, what can I bring to the table? What can I bring to Fennec, to, to the table with Fennec in terms of all these experiences and all that kind of stuff? 
I mean, obviously, COVID didn't help in that fact. No, of course. Of course. But now, because past COVID, post-COVID and everything, and post-lockdowns and everything, it's now starting to think about the bigger picture on all these kind of stuff. And especially, like, when it comes to bands and all that kind of stuff, is that you'll come across bands that want to go from zero to 100 really fast. Yeah. But unfortunately, it just doesn't work like that. You, no, have, to start right. at the you have to start at the bottom and especially go... Especially for work, a new band. Especially for a new band, exactly. You have to start at the bottom and work your way up to that. I mean, Definitely. if you can go to like these really big gigs really fast, like playing at like Hamer Hall or like the Melbourne Recital Centre or even like uh, like Rod Laver Arena or something like that or Marvel Stadium, yeah. of course. Yeah, if you can get it to that that fast, that's great. That's yeah. great and everything. But you have to know how it works, though. Yeah. And especially like with um, not not just with the gigs and stuff, but especially if you're starting to get into sell merch and everything, you yeah. have to look at the market. You have to look at how it is from a business point of view. You're spot on there, and and you need to set your own expectations correctly. Exactly. You know. I mean, I've come across like uh, definitely a fair bit of musicians that have wanted to go from zero to a hundred fast and it's like you're going to be in for a really rude awakening yeah. for when you start getting into that real world because unfortunately yeah. it just doesn't work that way yeah you're, 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 you're spot on you're spot on there thanks mate um so if people want to reach out to you and, and find you um obviously websites yeah. facebook's where, where do they go and um, fennec as well yeah obviously you can go to our facebook page on on fennec which is spelled f-e-n-n-e-c you can find us on facebook pretty easily on instagram as well um you can track me down on instagram uh, through sph muse um you can find me on my music page which used to be under simon hannah music but then i spelled it to my nickname which i've had since high school which is simo which is s-i-s-i-m-o that's where i post up a lot of stuff on gigs that i do okay, regularly cool. and also fennec i post around on social media quite a fair bit and you can also track me down through my youtube channel at again the exact same name simo, simo. done all right well Simon, thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for my coming on to Strike Record. My pleasure. My pleasure. And hopefully we can do it again later on, and maybe maybe with the rest of the band as well. Maybe that would be on. that would be amazing. And thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been an absolute honor to be part pleasure. Of this. Absolute pleasure. Thank you once again. Uh, we want to thank um, the Yesteryear Revival um, for for this whole venue as well, and um, keep an eye out on Yesteryear Revival as we are starting to. Um, do some video productions for the ba for bands specifically for for bands and live bands and everything like that. So keep an eye out. That's coming very soon. Want a a big shout out and big thank you to my production team as well here, and to uh, Cake Eclipse for these beautiful cakes. So yeah, um, thanks once again to everyone. Simon, thank you once again. My pleasure. Thank you very much. No worries.
Hope you enjoyed the Strike Accord podcast. Be sure to visit valentinoflamenco.com to access more podcast episodes, news, and other projects that I'm currently working on. Thanks for listening and watching.